Well, welcome to Northridge. It's really great to have you here. Thank you so much. We're not just here in Plymouth, but we're also at our other three campuses, Celine and Grosseal and Brighton, and always want to welcome them. And we, we're really wanting to take God's truth to every single venue we can. And so this morning, we're actually doing something interesting, and I want to give a special welcome to those on my Northridge Facebook page. We're doing Facebook Live, and so God's truth goes around the world, and welcome to the, all of you who are here. And tell you what, it, this was pretty good, wasn't it? It was awesome. I actually offered to do the skating, but they thought I was already doing too much in the service, and so... Didn't think it would be very good. <laughs> if you're a guest, welcome to Northridge. We're just so thankful that you're here. We're in a series called 16 Words Christmas. And 16 words is how we define our mission as a church. Because our mission is made up of 16 words. Wake the world up to Jesus. Show them his love. Tell them his truth. Involve them. And the reason we're attaching it to Christmas is because it's so important that all of us understand that that our mission as a church is simply the mission that Jesus had when he came into this world. He came in that first Christmas to fulfill the same 16 words. And we're simply doing the same thing 2,000 some years later. And we're wanting it to be clear that we're a part of the very thing that he did when he left heaven and he came to earth. And it's on us in this generation, in this moment as a as a church family, as individual believers, to carry it forward, to move that thing forward. And I have to tell you, I've said it already in this series, that it's sad to me that so many around the world celebrate the Christmas story without experiencing the power of its promise. And one of the reasons is the fact that so few genuinely understand why Jesus came in the first place. Now I, I'm going to ask this question and I don't mean to ask it in a way that would in any way embarrass, in any way be mean. It's not that at all. I'm not going to ask you to do it publicly. I'm going to ask you to answer this privately. But, but do you know why he came in the first place? Now be careful because the knee-jerk reaction would be to say, Yes, duh, right? But it's kind of a trick question here because I don't know that many of us really, really know. Je Jesus says in John 18, verses 37 through 38, why he came. In fact, it's a weird context because Jesus was standing before Pilate, he was the governor of the region in which Jesus lived. He was a governor under the Roman Empire, under Caesar. And, and it's closer to Easter than it is to Christmas, this conversation that's going on, because Pilate was considering whether or not he would, he would try and calm the rioting and all those who were petitioning him to get rid of this guy, Jesus. And they were wanting him to be crucified. And and so Pilate was having to deal with the pressure of this time. He didn't want Caesar to get upset and Rome to get upset. He had to control the mobs if he was going to be a good politician. He had all this pressure. And at the same time, he didn't think Jesus was a real threat or anything. But, but they were saying, he's saying he's the king of God and, and only Caesar is king and you need to deal with this. And see, you know, Pilate was under some pressure. And I want you to see what happened in this little segment of the story. John 18, starting with verse 37. You are... A king, 
them, said Pilate. Now you have to understand, he, he's going, really? You know we're in the Roman Empire. You, you know Caesar's king. You know, quite frankly, you're a puny little rabbi. I'm governor. I can do anything I want with you, and let me get this thing right. You're a king. There's a lot of cynicism in this. There's a lot of sarcasm in this. There's a lot of that human darkness in this. So you're, you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, but in fact, the reason I was born, the reason I came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth, everyone who embraces God's truth, listens to me. There was a little bit of a smackdown here because he's saying, you're not listening to me. You don't care anything about me. You're demeaning me and making it out as if I'm small and you're big. So you're not listening to God's truth at all, which I came to deliver. And then kind of like people would do today, you know, Pilate retorted, ah, what's truth? We can't know truth. There's no absolute truth. Come on. Your truth is one truth. My truth is this truth. Just like the world we live in, right? So he kind of dismisses it. And with this then, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. What he's trying to do now, he's trying to calm the crowd. He's trying to do the right thing. He ultimately doesn't do the right thing. He knows Jesus isn't really worthy of killing, didn't do anything criminal, but he's got to, you know, protect his job. And, and he says, I, you know, he tries to go out there, and he loses the battle. But all of that being said, did you see it? I mean, Jesus told us right there in that passage, standing before Pilate, why he was born. Did, did you see it? He said, I was born to testify to the truth. That's why he was born. Okay, now I'm just curious. Is that what you would have said? Yeah, I, I think if I was like, greeting each and every one of you at the door of any of our campuses or talking to you in person, those watching Facebook right now around the world, I, I don't think you would have said, he came to testify of the truth. You would have said something different. I told you it was a trick question, but it's important to know why he came, isn't it? And I think one of the reasons we celebrate the story of Christmas, but we don't experience the impact of its promise and power is because we don't really understand why he came. But we have to, and we can. Hey, there's another interesting part of this story to me, though, though testifying to the truth, coming and helping the world to understand God's truth, the real truth, that which can set us free in the world, was why he came. And, and though knowing the truth is what the world needed most, what Pilate needed most, Pilate just blew it off. Yeah, what's truth? Because what was important to him was facing down and solving the real world present moment challenges that he was facing. I mean, he had to protect his job. He had to, he had to, if he was going to keep being comfortable and retain his power, he had to solve this issue. That was the real issue, dealing with this truth thing. That was out there. I need to deal with this. And he wanted his best life. He was trying to work out his best life, but he did it in all the wrong ways. He was trying to get his best life by focusing on the tyranny of the needs in front of him instead of stepping back and realizing that God was trying to give him the gift of truth that could change his life. And here, staring in the face of truth, he missed the point. And sadly, it's easy for us to make the same mistake today. We can celebrate Christmas, and that's why we're here. That's why 
People are watching right now and this talk's being experienced. We're trying to celebrate Christmas, but we can celebrate Christmas and miss the whole point. Jesus came to give us the truth. That's why he came. Didn't come to give us religion, didn't come to give us symbols and rituals and all the different things we do. He came to give us the truth. And if we want to experience what Jesus came to give us, what Jesus came to make possible life in all of its fullness, we can't make the same mistake that Pilate made. Since it's the reason Jesus came on that first Christmas, rather than blowing off the truth, thinking that it's not all that important, being too preoccupied with our lives and our real world problems to recognize it, we need to pursue truth and embrace truth. So I think we should take a different slant on Pilate's same question. He goes, what's truth? He was blowing it off. Uh, we can't know it anyway, and I think we should start taking that question seriously. What is truth? If Jesus came to give us truth, then we shouldn't just buy the line, there is no truth, your truth, your truth, my truth, my truth, there is no evidence. And what we should realize is, whoa, he left heaven and came to earth to give us truth. We should care deeply about what that is, right? If we're going to experience Christmas. So what is truth? Well, there, truth is a lot of things, but let me just tell you what Jesus told us truth was since it's why he left heaven and came to earth. And what he claimed truth to be has stood the test of time. It has stood the scrutiny of all kinds of skeptics. He would have told Pilate what the truth was and it would have changed Pilate's life, but Pilate wasn't willing to listen. The question today, and this is really important, are you willing to listen? What is the truth? Jesus expressed it in two ways. He says, First of all, he said, I am the truth. And I think the way we should recognize it is Jesus is the living expression of truth. Jesus is the living expression of truth. Look at how he said it. These are Jesus' words, not mine. I'm just quoting him. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the... Okay. I actually think we can even do better. I heard the Facebook crowd doing better than that. So... And this isn't an attack or anything. I just, I think some participation would be great. So Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. He's the truth. So Jesus came to testify of the truth, right? He came to reveal to us truth. He came to, to give us the gift of truth, that which we're searching for and looking for. And what did he testify? He goes, oh, you want the truth? I'm the truth. What's he saying by that? You need to know, here's what he's saying. He goes, if you want to know God's truth and what it looks like when it's lived out on this planet, look at me. Jesus was truth wrapped around flesh and blood. Jesus was the living declaration of what would God do if he experienced difficulties in life? What would God do when the unforgivable happened to him? What would God do when he was rejected if he was a human being? How would God love? How would God choose? What would God value? And all you have to do is look at Jesus and you can see exactly what God would do if he were in our shoes because he was. 
Jesus is the living expression of truth. A lot of people say, oh, I can't figure out the whole God thing. It's too, I mean, he's abstract. You can't see him. He's invisible. Look at Jesus. That's God wrapped in flesh. He came to reveal truth to us. Have you seen it? Are you following it? Are you embracing it? Jesus is the truth. But he went further, of course, because people had wrestled for years with the truth that God had given. So Jesus came to to live it out for them, but Jesus made it really clear that as well as him being the living expression of truth, scripture, the written words that God inspired through the years for us to know as truth, scripture is the written expression of truth. So God has given us his written expression of truth, that which we can experience freedom through. And then Jesus came and demonstrated. Look what Jesus said in John 17, verses 14 and 17. I, I have given them your word. He's praying to the Father. He says, God, I've, Father, I've given them your word, your scripture. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word, you know, that which is scripture is truth. So Jesus is a living expression of truth and scripture is the written expression of truth. And this is what Jesus came to give us. And you know, at that point, you can kind of go, okay, that's why he came. Yeah, and everything else we talk about, how he loved us so much that he died, so we all that come is a part of the truth, but the truth is the big thing. And you go, well, okay, it doesn't sound all that powerful. You have to understand why it's important, or it's never going to make an impact on your life. This is another reason we celebrate Christmas, but we don't experience the power of his promise because we don't understand how important it is. We make it a cute little holiday that we celebrate once a year and we add a Santa Claus one year and a star another year and some lights out there and we're really excited when we get up to 2,000 lights flashing in our yard, you know, and all that stuff. But if we really understand its importance, it can change us. So why is Jesus coming so important? Why is the truth so important? Well, there are a bunch of reasons, but let me give you two essential ones. And I'm telling you, they're the answer to life's questions here. The truth is important because the truth provides God's blueprint for life. The truth provides God's roadmap, his blueprint for how we can live our best lives, how we can experience life as he designed it. And all you have to do is look with any kind of curiosity at this world, and you're going to go, <laughs> if there's a good God... This world's not working according to his plan. I mean, this world's messed up, right? I mean, this world is filled with darkness, and, and that's where the world was. And so Jesus came so that we could know the truth, so we could once again know the very blueprint by which we're supposed to live our lives. That's why he came. Look at how the Bible says it in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for everything we need, for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in right living, righteousness in the right way of living, so that the person of God, so anyone who's really wanting to live God's way, can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He came to give us the truth so that we would have the blueprint. We'd no longer have to guess what's right, what's wrong. We'd no longer have to guess at what would honor him and what wouldn't. We'd no longer have to guess what, what will work well and not work at all. He gave us the blueprint for life. That's, that's pretty important. I mean, every day, aren't we looking for answers for what we should be doing and how we should be living and where we should be going and how we should be treating each other? It's there. It's what he came to give us at Christmas. See, we're celebrating Christmas, but we're not experiencing the power of what he brought us. We're not living by the blueprint. 
Why is it important? Well, one other essential reason, the truth provides exactly what we're looking for in life. It provides the way to experience God's blessings. In other words, it provides the way that we'll experience what we long for in life. Satisfaction, contentment, the sense of significance and meaning and value, peace and joy and any other thing we long for in our soul as a part of the essence of who we were created to be. God's truth leads to experiencing his blessing. And once again, God looked down and said, no one's experiencing what I created them to experience. They're not experiencing love, they're experiencing lust. They're not experiencing peace, they're experiencing discord. They're not experiencing joy, they're experiencing sorrow. They're not experiencing hope, they're experiencing despair. They're not experiencing light, they're experiencing darkness. They're not experiencing significance, they're experiencing the sense of insignificance. I need to show them the way to experience life as I designed it. So he came to give us his truth. So the story we celebrate at Christmas is the story of having the way to experience God's blessings and we celebrate it while we don't experience his blessings. It's sad, isn't it? Look at Psalm chapter one. He, he tells us this. Starting with verse one, blessed, that word blessed, satisfied, content, fulfilled, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed, satisfied, content is the person who doesn't live like Pilate selling their soul on the altar of the immediate and missing the point of life itself. But instead, look what it says, their delight is in what Jesus came to testify for us about the truth. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, God's truth. And on his law, his truth, they meditate day and night. It's the obsession of their life. It's the passion of their pursuit. And those people are blessed. And here's why. They become like a tree planted by streams of water, always nourished which yields its fruit in season, always productive, always fruitful, whose leaf does not wither, nothing can destroy them, and whatever they do prospers. Who doesn't want that in their lives? The problem is we go about it the wrong way. We think we'll get our best life by selling our soul on the altar of the urgent instead of realizing that what Jesus came to give us is the urgent thing we really need. The truth provides the way to God's blessings. So here's the truth I want to give you this weekend, okay? As we celebrate Christmas and we get ready for it, the truth is simply this. Since those of us who celebrate Christmas are supposed to be wanting to follow Jesus and know Jesus and know his promise, know his blessing, Jesus, here's the truth, Jesus has called all his followers to know and then to tell his truth. That's, that's what he he's called us to. He wants us to know and tell his truth. In fact, it's our God-given purpose. As Jesus was born to testify the truth, so we're born to experience what he testified about and then to join him in telling the truth to our world. I mean, look at how he said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said in the same way, remember, he was the light of the world because he came to show us the truth. Truth is light. In the same way, now that you know my truth, now that you are light, let your light shine before men. Experience the light and then shine the light so that they may see your good deeds, how your life is different, your experiences are different. And ultimately, because you're telling them, they'll praise your Father in heaven too. They too will become light. Jesus came to give us the truth, the light. 
He shared it with us. And once we experience it, he wants us to share it with the world. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Do you see the two parts there? First thing he's saying, he says, you've got to know the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus is the truth. Set apart Christ as Lord. Make the truth Lord of your life. Make the truth your commitment. Make the truth the focus of your life. Set apart Christ as Lord. And then what? Be ready to answer all the questions about why you're different. People are going to I don't get you. I mean, we're living in a dark world, but you're filled with light. I don't get you. We're living in a world of hatred, but you continue to love. I don't get it. We're living in a world where we get betrayed all the time and you keep forgiving. I don't get it. We live in a world with absolutely no peace and you have it. We live in a world where there's nothing but despair. How do you keep having hope? Well, I'll tell you, I celebrate Christmas and Christmas is the great moment where Jesus brought truth in and when I discovered his truth, it changed my life and that's what we're supposed to do. Give them a reason for our hope. We only have one reason for hope and it's not because we go to church or call ourselves Christians. Our only reason for hope is Jesus. Jesus came to change the world and he can change our lives. All right, so here we are, right? God wants us as his followers to know why he came, the truth, experience it, and then follow his example and tell his truth. That's what he wants us to do. It's really important. So here, I want to give you a couple of applications. These are some ways that we can weave this into our life and hopefully it'll impact us. If we're going to live, unlike Pilate, if we're going to live successful and fulfilling lives, then we really do need, first of all, to know the truth ourselves. We need to know the truth ourselves. Jesus came to testify of the truth. How sad not to know the truth he came to deliver. Jesus brought a present to us, the truth. How sad not to unwrap that present into our lives, the, the truth that can set us free. And the Bible tells us we need to know the truth. We need to do whatever it takes to get the truth into our lives. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Um, do everything in your power to present your God, to yourself to God in a way that will bring him pleasure. How? By being a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Say, you, you want to present yourself to God as a person that brings him pleasure? You want your life to live up to what God designed you to be? Hey, do everything in your power to know what Jesus left heaven and came to earth to bring you God's truth. Do everything you can to know it. And when you do know it and live it, you won't be ashamed. You won't live in guilt. You won't live in darkness. You won't live a life of disappointment to yourself, others, or God. But instead, you'll be living the life he designed you for. It's why Jesus came. You won't live in shame because you're rightly dividing the word of truth. You understand the truth. Know the truth yourself. It's the most important pursuit of life. It's the most important and significant investment we can make with our lives. Knowing God's truth. We celebrate the story, but we don't experience the power of its promise. Why? Because most of us do not make knowing the truth the number one investment of our lives. Right? We're more interested in the news than we are in the truth. We're like Pilate. 
We'll read any self-help book in the world to face down the issues we're facing in life and the challenges we're facing in life, but we don't turn to the truth that can set us free. We need to make this the commitment of our life. Think about how we parent. We want to make sure we give our kids every opportunity to get ahead. So we try and put them in the best schools and put them in the accelerated pro the programs, which I didn't have the privilege of going to, um, as you can tell, into accelerated programs so that, so that they can get ahead. Then you know what we do? We want to make sure they have every chance to get ahead. So we make sure they're in every single sports league and have every single opportunity to get ahead we can. And we make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice as parents to get our kids everything they need to get ahead. The one thing we leave out is the only thing they need, making the truth of Jesus Christ the most important thing in their lives. We'll skip church for sports. We'll compromise spiritual things for academics. We're pilot with our kids. Instead of celebrating Christmas by making the truth the number one thing in their lives. You see it? We need to know the truth ourselves. It needs to be what we pursue. Maybe this Christmas season, we need to decide to make Jesus the center of Christmas, the point of our lives, and to commit the truth to our kids. That'll change their lives. Hey, maybe this new year, our resolution should be singular. This year, I'm going to actually make the pursuit of truth my entire resolution. Maybe this year, I'll read through the Bible for the first time in my life. Oh, God forbid, the whole Bible. Maybe this year, I'll read a little of the Bible every day until I'm done with it 22 years from now, but one way or another. Make the truth your resolution. I would rather have you falling apart in every area of your life and knowing God's truth because that will set you free to get right in every other area of your life. We need to make the truth what we would want to know. Make the truth the center of your life. I'm not very passionate about this issue. I'm really sorry about that. And <clears throat> there's spit on the screen sending this to Facebook right now. But There's another application I want to give you if we're... If we're going to live successful and fulfilling lives, which is what we long for, then we need to tell the truth to others. You know what selfishness is? Selfishness is when I receive and receive and receive and consume and consume and consume and never share. And it's sad, this is really the state of Christianity many times. Many of us who celebrate Christmas consume the Christmas story, but we don't share the Christmas story. And there's nothing more selfish. And I get it, this is where in our humanity it gets hard, you know? You mean you, I have to tell people about Jesus? <laughs> you know, I don't think I know enough. But once we know and experience God's truth in our lives and it transforms us, we do need to share it. It's important. You know how important it is? Jesus left heaven and came to earth so that we could know the truth. And he's transforming us with our truth. And all he's asking us is that we pass it on. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things you've heard me say in the, in the presence of many witnesses, you need to entrust them to others, to reliable others who will also be qualified to teach. They, you, you need to experience and then share so that they can experience and share. This is really the most important thing. And I'm going to say more about this and what it's like, because I know it's a scary thing for a lot of people to think about, but it shouldn't be. I think I can break that down for you. But I, 
before I get there, I want to talk to you about how we're supposed to talk about the truth. And this explains a lot about Northridge. For those of you who might be guests or not know a lot about this place, we're, we're a very different environment than many churches. And I know, and I, I'm pro-church. I'm pro all these churches. No, no kidding. It's anyone who's trying to point people to Jesus, I'm thumbs up on. But, but, but we're not a really super religious environment. We don't have symbols and traditions and liturgies and all, catechisms and all that stuff. And a lot of times when I mention this, I'll get letters from people who have a Catholic background and they'll say, you need to stop blasting Catholic. I, I never said Catholic. I'm not blasting Catholics. I'm saying we're not an environment that's, that's into liturgies and symbols and traditions and all that stuff. In fact, you, quite frankly, when I'm talking this way, religion didn't impact me growing up, but I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up Episcopalian. So I... There's a reason, though, Episcopalians aren't writing me upset that I'm talking about it. It's because there are only three left on the planet. And uh, it's like, <clears throat> that's almost the truth. Uh, but anyway, that, seriously, I'm just talking about what we're trying to do to communicate God's truth. How should we tell the truth? And this will explain why we do ministry the way we do. The first is we should tell God's truth with confidence. Look at Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For the Jew and the Gentile, everyone. Look at what Jesus came to bring us is the one thing everyone in this world needs. Hope can change the world. That's what he brought us, this truth, this hope. We, we shouldn't be coy about it, should Shouldn't we be confident that, look at I know you need this. You might say you don't believe in God. You might say you hate God. But the reason you don't believe in God and you hate God is because you've never experienced his truth. But what I know is he can change your life. We need to speak the truth with confidence. You who have experienced the power of God's truth in your life, you need to stop being ashamed of it and start being confident that it's what the world needs. If we all started sharing the truth of Jesus, the world would become a better place. This is what the world needs. It's what Christmas is about. We should, we should share his truth. We should tell his truth, not just with confidence, but with relevance. This really explains Northridge. We, we want to communicate God's truth in the language of our generation, in the language of our day, musically and in every other way. Not through traditions of past, but through present language. That's what Jesus did when he came from heaven to earth. He didn't speak the language of heaven. He spoke the language of his culture. And that's what God never wanted us to trap his truth into the traditions that once worked years ago. He wants us to carry Jesus in today. And this is how we should be in our personal lives as well. We, we, we shouldn't communicate about our faith in ways that our friends and fellow co-workers can't understand it. We should do it with relevance. This is what Paul did, 1 Corinthians 9. Look at 22 and 23. To the weak I became weak. To win the weak I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do this for the sake of the gospel, the truth that they may share in its blessings. If we want people to know the truth, we have to communicate it in a way that's relevant to their needs. I never want to be answering questions here that people aren't asking. And I grew up in churches where every week they were answering questions no one was asking, no one cared about, and no one wanted the answers to. 
Shouldn't we be talking about how God makes a difference in our real world lives? Of course, relevant. We should be telling his truth without compromise. One of the things that breaks my heart is that many places that call themselves churches and many Christians who call themselves Christ followers aren't telling God's truth as it is. They're telling God's truth in a way that makes people accept it. Look, at the minute we start changing God's truth to make people happy, we're no longer giving them the opportunity to experience the true joy of Jesus in their life. I mean, it's fun to tell people what they want to hear, right? It's just not helpful. We need to tell the truth without compromise. And I have to tell you, Abby, I, I, I want you all to like me. I really do. I, uh, you know, I want more followers on Facebook. I really do. I, I mean, I want everyone to like me. But here's the truth. That's not why I'm on this platform, and that's not why I live my life. Because, see, the only thing that will matter in the end is, did I tell the truth so that people could experience what Jesus came to bring them? And the, the truth pushes a lot of people away because as with Pilate, a lot of people don't want to hear it. They want to do what they want to do. But here's the problem. Doing what you want to do when it goes against God's truth will destroy you. And you need to have a voice in your life helping you to see a truth that can save you. And that's why we exist as believers, right? We need to speak truth without compromise. Deuteronomy 4.2, do not add to what I command you. Do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. No other is just going to stand. We as a church family, we're going to stand in God's truth even when the world says that's not politically correct. Because that's just what we need to be. And then, by the way, um, then, by the way, we need to speak and tell his truth in love. I don't know about you, but very often people speaking truth sound like some of the most hateful, angry people on the planet, right? It's like, oh my gosh. And you know why? It's because very often they're lowering the truth to something as stupid as politics instead of hiring the truth to life itself. And we need to really speak the truth in love. And so, um, this is how we're supposed to tell the truth conf with confidence and relevance, without compromise, and speaking the truth in love. Now, just because we speak the truth in love doesn't mean it will be received in love, right? Jesus was nailed to the cross, and he spoke the truth in love. But In fact, let me give Jesus an example here of how we can tell his truth. He, he was uh, living his life, um, doing his ministry, and... And in John chapter 8, verse 1, all of a sudden, some religious leaders came and threw a woman who had been caught in the bed of adultery down at his feet. And so in this moment, he had to respond to it. You know, they were bringing it to him. They were responding to him. And, and they were challenging him. And they said, this woman's obviously, you know, making bad choices. She's a sinful woman. She's doing things contrary to the truth that you say you're about. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so since she's obviously a sinner, um, they were saying, Jesus, we think we should kill her. What do you think? And so Jesus said, you're, you're right. You can read John 8 on your own. But he said, you're right. The wages of sin is death. Sinners do deserve to die. Separated from God, it's true. And so we probably, you know, it'd be right for her to die. So here's my deal. 
whichever one of you has never sinned, go ahead, kill her. And they all walked away. And by the way, this is the problem with religion. It makes the religious people feel like they're better than the non-religious people, which is a joke. We're all a bunch of sinners. Okay, we're all a bunch of sinners. And so she was sitting right there. And uh, <clears throat> so she was there and, and they all walked away. And I, look at how he said it in John 8, verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be first to throw a stone at her. And they walked away. And then he looked at her. Look at John 8, verse 10. Jesus straightened up, and he straightened up because he had been writing on the sand. And he straightened up, and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. And then look what Jesus says. Then neither do I condemn you. But then look what he says. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, this is really important. He didn't condemn her. He wasn't here to condemn her. He was here, actually, to save her. But he also didn't pretend like she had been making good choices. He didn't go, you know, whatever lifestyle you choose, it's cool. No big deal. However you want to live, it's okay. I mean, you're this way because God made you this way. And all the different things we say in our culture to excuse people's behavior that goes against God's truth. And he didn't. He said, he said, I love you. I care about you. I'm not here to condemn you. But listen, I've come to give you truth. And if you're going to experience the life you want, you have to stop living your way and you have to start living God's way. Stop sinning. And I'm telling you, this is our world's problem. They want God to bless their choices instead of living God's truth. And we need to be careful on this. So Jesus, he's, he loved her and he spoke the truth to her. And that's what we need to do, right? And her life was transformed. The other people's lives weren't. Because here's what happens. The people who embrace his truth experience life change. The people who reject his truth don't. My question is, are you experiencing it? I think the best way for us as individuals to, once we know God's truth, to tell truth to others is just like Jesus did in this, by just sharing ourselves. In fact, I think the best way is in the moment, being relevant to the moment. When someone says, what's different about you, or someone challenges us or does something, thing, the best way for us to tell them the truth is by, get this, sharing our story. Not by preaching a message but by sharing our story. I think we should be sharing what we've seen and what we've experienced. It's the most powerful way to share when someone comes and says, I, why are you a pastor to me? Or why is this going on? Or why is this different in your life? Why is this? You know, I don't start preaching them a message. I say, I'm going to tell you, there's only one reason. It's because Jesus' truth has transformed my life and I know it's what you need too. And a lot of people reject it like Pilate did, but they need it as much as anyone else. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to come up with messages. You just have to have a story. And, and let me just tell you something. If Jesus' truth has changed your life, you have a story. I believe one of the reasons many of us are afraid to talk about Jesus with other people, and I hope you don't get upset with me. I'm going to try and tell you the truth. I believe the reason many of us are unwilling or afraid to tell our story with other people is because we don't have a story. 
We have a religion. We have a belief system. We have a philosophy. We have, you know, way this, but we don't have a story. When you experience the transforming of power of Jesus literally changing your life, you want to share the story. I, and I'll give you a proof of this. Humanly, you do this all the time. Some of you here, this is, um, step out of the series for a minute. Some of you here have, have been early adopters in Bitcoin, right? You know, you know what Bitcoin is, right? That cryptocurrency that went from like zero to $20,000. It's like more valuable than gold now. It's like, what? You know, and some of you, early adopters of Bitcoin, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you'd have people borrowing money from you and I don't want that to happen. But, but here's, here's what happened. I, I know some people who invest in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies and they're doing really well right now. And they can't stop talking about it. Oh, you got to get into Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. I mean, it's like they're Bitcoin everything. Why? Because they've experienced an investment that has done things that most investments never do to this point. And they, they're sharing it with everybody they can. Why not, right? Same thing happens. Something medically happens to you. You find a doctor that has a cure for something. No, no. And you, you don't, you, oh, I'm ashamed to tell anybody. I'm afraid to tell anybody. You tell everybody, doctor this, doctor this, doctor this. <laughs> this is why we shut you off Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's all you can talk about. Because you have a story to tell. If you had a story to tell about how Jesus changed your life, wouldn't you do the same thing? I mean, really? Wouldn't you? Yes. So here's, here's the question. Do you have a story to tell? Jesus came to give you the truth that can set you free. Jesus came to change your life. Have you experienced it? I believe there are a lot, and this isn't at all a judgment. I believe a lot of us haven't, but you can. You know what the good news is? You can fail forever, and in one second, you can accept the gift that Jesus came to give you, be forgiven, and have a new life. Why wouldn't you do that right now? Why wouldn't you let Jesus change your story so that you have something to tell? In fact, just before I give you the important applications on this, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? And in this moment, if you would, would you... You, you, you might be here at the Plymouth campus, at one of our other campuses, or you might be on Facebook or live streaming somewhere. But if you want to receive the gift of Jesus, you're like, why don't you pray with me? Take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I, I'm a lot like that woman that was thrown at Jesus' feet. I've sinned. I've messed up. I've lived without you. I haven't followed your truth but I believe that you came and died on the cross so that I wouldn't have to die for my sin. You had no sin and you died for me. And now I'm asking you to forgive me. And you rose again to give me new life. And so I'm asking you for that new life by faith in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you'll stick with me and honor these moments because I have a couple important things to share and then we'll be out of here. But if you prayed with me just now, Please let us know. 
in the programs, we put a thing called a connection card. All you have to do is take this out, open it up. Inside is a connection card and fill it out because we want to send you some ideas about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. And we want to send you a Bible if you prayed to receive Jesus. So all you have to do is fill out the connection card and then check the appropriate box. Maybe you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or you're renewing your commitment to follow Jesus. Check that and then get us the card. Put it in a box at every exit. There's one, throw it in there or give it to a guest service person. Get it back to us and we'll send you that information in that Bible, okay? And if you're watching online, hit the what next button and we'll do the same exact thing for you. But I have found that a lot of, a lot of us who experience Jesus that way have a hard time talking about it. And I just want to tell you uh, from one event in my life that will hopefully illustrate with you how you can do it and it's not threatening. My, my wife, Roxanne, and I um, were on a vacation a couple of years ago and we happened to have the privilege of being on, at the time on a cruise. Um, and in the winter in the Caribbean, thank Jesus. And at any rate, uh, just a thought. And we were on this vacation, and when we're on these cruises, quite often we'll ask to be put at a big table with people we don't know. Why not, right? And so we were at a table. This table was a table of six, and there were, so Roxanne and I made two. And then one night they started, so what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? And one guy was a really, really high um, just recently retired, high State Department guy. He had lived all around the world representing um, the United States of America in, uh, you know, as a part of the State Department. And classy, high, highly educated, professional guy. The other guy and his wife, he was a pharmacist and um, really made the discussion good because I kept asking him for drugs. And it was a wonderful... <laughs> Wonderful thing, but not really. But we, so uh, we had these conversations, and I knew when it got around to careers that they were going to ask me what I do, and I knew what was going to happen. It was going to ruin the entire vacation from then on. You know, I was like, <clears throat> so what do you do? Uh, I'm a professional communicator. You know, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I'm a motivational speaker. You know, that kind of thing. But no, I said, yeah, I, I'm a pastor. And they went, really? And it surprised them because, you know, I try not to live my life as a put-on, you know? I am who I am, and I enjoy life, and I'm flawed, and I'm real, and all that different stuff, but I really do believe my faith is not a put-on. And, and, um, and they go, really? You, you don't remind us much of a, of a pastor. And I said, is it because I've been asking for drugs? Is that uh, your problem? And, and, and we started having this discussion, and they started asking me a couple of questions about my faith, really, and why would you be a pastor, and why would you be this, and all that. And we just had conversations, very real-world conversations. The State Department guy said, can I ask you a question? He was a very religious guy who didn't believe in God. This is really weird, right? And he said, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. And he goes, do you have any doubts? And I said, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I said... Faith and doubt are traveling companions. You can't live by faith and not have doubt. I says, but here's the thing. My faith always trumps my doubt because the truth of the impact that I experience in my relationship with Jesus has made it unquestionable in my mind, even though I don't understand everything. And he goes, really? And here's what he did. This guy was a professional. He said, can we spend a couple of hours this afternoon talking about faith because I've wrestled with it all my entire life? And I said, absolutely. He didn't ask me because I was a pastor. He didn't ask me because he thought I had all the answers. He asked me because I was the first person he had had a conversation with. 
who as a real person struggling with real life had connected with a real God who was making a difference in his life. I have a story. Do you have a story? The world needs to hear it. They need to hear it. It's why we're here. We need to share our story. And so I, I end this way, uh, just a quick conclusion. We need to commit to knowing and telling God's truth. We need to commit to knowing and telling God's truth. We need it. And we need it for two reasons. We need it for ourselves, first of all. Because if we never connect with God's truth and then allow ourselves to be a conduit to share it, we'll never experience the meaning and significance that God has created us to experience. Look how Paul said it, Acts 20, 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me, he says. My life mounts to no value whatsoever unless I finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And what's the task? The task of testifying to the truth, to the gospel of God's grace. Do you see? He realized once he knew the truth that Jesus brought on that first Christmas that his whole purpose for being here was to share that truth with others. Whether a lawyer, a factory worker, a teacher, a garbage collector, a technology worker, an administrative assistant, a professional motivational speaker, whatever you are, your real task is to share the truth. That's where value comes from. That's where we experience fullness. Knowing his truth allows us to experience his value. Telling his truth allows us to express our value and step into significance. Are you? Look at, don't, don't accept the truth and tell the truth because I say it. Do it for yourself. It's what you're longing for. And last, we need to commit to knowing and telling God's truth for others. Look at how Paul said it in Romans 10, verses 13 to 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. But how can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone telling them, sharing with them? Preaching is the word heralding here. Here's, I think of Bill, the State Department guy, longing for the truth, rejecting it. And what he needed was someone to just share with him from a story of reality. Can I tell you, there are people in your world who are longing for a real person to talk about the reality of Jesus in a way that they can relate to. I hope you will. One very relevant and easy way right now is, and I'm being very serious, this isn't all we should do, but one easy way, all you have to do is invite them to our Christmas Eve service next week. We're changing it up, you know, here in Plymouth uh, at our campus. This is all going to be on Sunday. It always is. But here in Plymouth, we're changing it up. We're having no Saturday service. We're doing all of our services on Sunday. You can see it. They'll put it up here. We're having a 916, 1116, 116, and then 1116 at night, which is going to be a cool service. I mean, you know, going into Christmas morning, it's going to be great. I hope that you'll, here's the thing, invite people. Jesus came to give truth to those who needed it. And we have an easy way. Invite them to Christmas Eve. And can I remind you, we just had glory of Christmas. 30,000 people came to glory of Christmas. 30,000. Listen, this is really important. 18,000 of those approximately 
came into Northridge for the very first time ever, ever. And you know, they're thinking about coming back to Glory of Christmas next year. Because they came to a concert that happens once a year. We need to change the dynamic. Invite those 30,000 people to Christmas Eve next week, and then the next event they'll want to come back to is the week after that, and truth will start changing their life, and you can walk with them, and you can talk with them, and you can fulfill God's call on your life, and all you have to do this week is invite someone. I hope you'll do it. Please do it. Let's change the world like Jesus did this Christmas. Then we'll celebrate the real thing. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.